0: Um, for the past year, I've been struggling to comprehend just how great our God is and how amazing it is that he would care so much about us as he does. So we'll begin this morning with a little astronomy lesson like he had in high school and uh, put an image up there of the solar system that uh, we are a part of. But it's so hard to comprehend the sorry, the, the, the size of our universe. The, the numbers just go beyond us. And so we're gonna reduce it to a different scale. And I, I've got a, a marble here, half inch in diameter, that I had to keep in a ziplock bag or I'd lose it. And uh, this marble is gonna represent our sun. So when you see the size of the sun on that solar system, imagine now that our sun has been reduced to half inch. Let's see if it stays. And so if this sun is a half inch in diameter on the same scale, our planet Earth is the size of a grain of sand and it'd be right here by this banner. And Pluto, the furthest out of the planets in our solar system, would be in the Georgetown Square. So that gives you a feeling for the size of our solar system using the sun as a half inch diameter marble. But our sun um, and our solar system is just a part you know, of our Milky Way galaxy. So on this image that you see there, you see all these stars that are in the sky. And many of you, I'm sure or I hope, have had the opportunity to lay out in, in a dark night and just look at the majesty of God you know, there in the sky. And you say to yourself, wow, there must be millions of stars up there. And in fact, you're right, there's billions of stars. But the interesting thing is, is that astronomers tell us from planet Earth with the naked eye, with no additional aid, you can only see 9,095 stars. And that's from around the whole Earth. So if you're laying there just on one half of the Earth, the most you'll probably ever see is 4,000 stars out of over a billion, over 400 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. You know, so um, it's such a huge galaxy. So how big is that galaxy? This next slide shows where we are positionally within the Milky Way galaxy. There's the center and we're off you know, to the left as you look at that picture. But how big is that? From one side of our galaxy to the other side of our galaxy is 100,000 light years. Now we're talking numbers that we just can't even begin to comprehend. Light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles a second. That means light can go around the Earth seven times in one second. And so using this same scale of our sun, as a half-inch marble and Pluto in the Georgetown Square, if one side of our galaxy was here on that same scale, the other side of our galaxy would be at the planet Venus, 25 million miles away on this same scale. I'm not here to teach science in an astronomy lesson this morning. But we're using that to help us comprehend how huge this universe is that our creator has made. This next slide shows our sun in position in relative um, size to what astronomers now believe is the largest star in our Milky Way galaxy. It's a star called Stevenson, and it's 2,150 diameters of our sun across. Again, numbers we just can't comprehend, but I wanted just to show that, just to show that even within our own galaxy, God has just done an incredible thing in the creation. So our, we've, in 1990, the Hubble Space um, Telescope you know, was launched. It's been up there now for 20, 32 years. It seems hard to believe it's been that long. It's 14 feet in diameter, and it's the length of a school bus. That's how big that telescope is. It's powerful enough that that Hubble telescope can see a firefly in Tokyo from Washington, Um, D.C. So it's an extremely powerful telescope. And so this next slide shows an experiment by the astronomers. It was almost an experiment in faith. And so you see that little tiny square there just to the uh, left uh, of the moon. That's an area in space that there was no light whatsoever. And so the astronomers said, let's just train the Hubble on that little tiny square for four months and see if there's anything beyond that we know nothing about. And the next slide then, which is also on the front of your bulletin, shows what Hubble saw after that time exposure. Over 10,000 galaxies were in this little square that previously was nothing, even to our other telescopes. And then just one last slide then to the James Webb Telescope that you've been reading about that was launched um, on Christmas Day last year is even way more powerful than the Hubble. And I'm excited about that because if, if the Hubble has shown us how great and big our God is you know, with what technology it has, this James Webb Telescope is gonna show us even more of how great our God is and the things that he has created so far. Been no images officially um, released, but on um, June 1st of this last week, NASA said that the first official <coughs> photographs would be released on July 12th. So we got that to look forward to to see what will happen. So, <clears throat> as we've looked at how huge our God is, which is absolutely beyond comprehension, then we have to take the next step, so to speak, and realize this incredible God knows you, knows me, and he loves us. And so um, this morning, um, I want us to um, consider the fact that um, God um, knows so much about us that um, in Matthew 10, 29, it says, you know, that he even knows how many hairs on our head that we have. They're all numbered. And with some of us, that's kind of a a continually changing database because there's not as many hairs today as there was yesterday. But uh, Matthew 10 says, are not two sparrows sold for penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So this is our God and um, telling us that he knows who we are. In addition to that, the other thing that's just incredibly impressive is that he cared enough for us that over a period of 1,500 years, using over 40 authors, he gave us his word so that we would know more about him. He wants us to know about him. He wants us to study his word. He wants us to learn, you know. And so um, in this word of God, we, there are many, many attributes um, described, ascribed to God that help us to better understand who he is. And I can mention just a few of them this morning. And um, and also I'll backtrack one sentence. Some people talk about the inerrancy of the Bible. And uh, I'm not going to go into the the theological arguments for it, but when I think about the immensity of God My position is almost uh, like a child-like faith, where it says, if my God could create this universe that we have got a glimpse of this morning, I believe he's totally capable of making sure that what he wanted written down is what was recorded. You know, I mean, how can you have a God that is that powerful and not be sure that this is what he wanted us to read? So in this word of God, we're gonna look at a couple attributes this morning, in the bulletin and on the web, of Jamie has placed a link to my message. And because of you know, the time, I'm not going to read all the uh, scriptures that are associated with each attribute, but uh, the attributes, if you look at that document, all the, um, the attributes I'm going to mention are all going to have scriptural basis. And the first one that I want to mention is He's infinite, He knows, has no limits, He knows no bounds. And again, he's just beyond our comprehension. He's an all-powerful God. Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. He's an all-knowing God. Many references in the scripture talk about how God knows everything. And he's everlasting to everlasting It's not too hard to comprehend everlasting in the future because you can always have one more day and one more day and one more day. It's really difficult to comprehend everlasting in the past. God has no beginning, but that is our God. He's an everlasting God. He's a patient God, and um, he's a merciful God. He's a faithful God, and he's a just God. And this next one is almost uh sounds sacrilegious to say it, but he's a jealous God. This one I'll read, um, many many references, you know, in the scripture, but in Exodus 34 it says, do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. And of course he's jealous because he wants us to worship him and to uh, recognize that he is the soul priority in our lives. Our God is a holy God, pure, sinless, and again, references throughout the scripture. And then lastly, this morning, I want to cover the attribute that most of us first associate, you know, with God, and that he's a loving God. He's not just an impersonal essence that's all-powerful, who's out there. He's a God that knows you, knows me, as we've already said, knows the number of hairs on our head. And so Isaiah says, um, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. In 1 John chapter 4, the apostle writes, Dear friends, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God knows God. Whoever does not know God, does does not love, does not know God, because God is love. God loves us so much that he reached out and adopted us as his children. And that's the other thing that I struggle with, you know, in my devotions every day, how this incredible, infinite God adopted me as his child. Paul says it this way in the book of Romans, chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And so, as I mentioned, that is... the second thing, I, these two things: I just try to comprehend the immensity of God, which i can 't, and I try to comprehend how He could love me so much that he adopted me as his child, and again, I just have to take it on faith you know that He loves me that much and so um, this morning, as I conclude our service um, mention one more verse on the love of God, which is probably one of the most famous verses in the scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God, the immensity of God, it's beyond our ability to fathom. And so as I close, I want to... um, read the lyrics to one of my favorite songs, 10,000 Angels, written many years ago by a country western singer, Ray Overholt. And here are, are those words, I think they're familiar to many of you, but it shows the love of Jesus for us. They bound the hands of Jesus in the garden where he prayed. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon the savior so pure and free from sin. They said, crucify him. He's to blame. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me.